Good morning. It's a beautiful day. If you have been here for any time, you know that um, over the decades, I have spoken a lot on John 15. We're talking about the Great Commission. We're talking about the fact that God really has placed us, created us, and placed us on planet Earth to reproduce and to produce. And he has all those systems in place, and all he's asking from us is for us to align ourselves with him for that to be accomplished. When it says, go and make disciples of all nations, the answer to that is that we're going to have a birthright of abundance, okay? So I have brought with me my grapes today because we're in John 15. That's going to be our primary text. And to help us to understand the song we just sang about his presence, we are, most of us, born and raised as Westerners. And as a result, we have come to this conclusion that the more activity we produce, the more we'll produce. The problem with that is, it's not biblically correct in the spiritual life, okay? I'm not telling you to be a slacker. I'm not telling you to lay down on the job, and I'm certainly not telling you to stay home from your work. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> By the way, I've actually started thanking people for working, and when I see them and they're working, I just thank, thanks for working. So let me give you a picture I can get this out without taking it all apart of what we're talking about today. This, if you don't know, is a picture of what God desires for your life. You got that? Grapes, right? (laughs) The picture is abundance. You remember... When the Israelites were first spying out the land and they sent the spies in. And when they came back, the spies came back, even though they had a really bad report. What did they bring back to prove the land was all that God said it was? A cluster of grapes so big that it took two men on a pole to carry them. So as we think about this, we think about abundance and think about our birthright in other words why why was it that God created us what has God what is his desire and heart for us as we live this life he's given us and to know please get this get this get this get this all of what God designed and desires for us is only accomplished through the work and person of the Holy Spirit you know of Jesus of Nazareth do you know of Jesus of Nazareth Yeah, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. So here is Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, as a man on earth. And what does God do? God anoints him with the third person of the Trinity and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. If Jesus Christ 
in the human form on earth required the work of the Holy Spirit in his life to do what God, God the Father had designed for him to do, guess what? So do I. And so do you. So, please keep that in mind as we walk through the first verses, first part of John 15, where he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Now, I'd like for you to do this. I'd like for you to get a mental picture of what a vine dresser is. This is the guy who comes to the vineyard. He knows exactly what to do, and he knows exactly when to do it. Now, if you've seen anything of this in National Geographics or whatever, or TV, whatever, these guys typically are pretty brown because they're out in the sun a lot. But I want you to capture these two aspects of the vine dresser. His hands that are skilled in accomplishing what needs to be done to the vine and his face as he accomplishes his work. Because what is he going about? What is he doing? He is doing everything that he knows to do so that at the end of it, he will have what? Beautiful cluster of grapes. Well, guess what? Our Father God is doing the same thing. He is doing exactly the same thing. So try to keep that mental picture of his hands working and his face as he does so. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, for those who've been around for a while, that part of that verse gave me a heartache for a long time. It didn't make sense to me. It did not, in my mind, in my understanding of the Scripture, work with the continuity of the love of God. Because as we read it there, it's like he takes it away, like he destroys it. And you'll see as we go along, some things do get destroyed. But notice what it says, every branch in me. Every one of us who come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we are in him. And since we are in him, we cannot be taken away. To further exasperate my understanding of the scripture, as I would look at, when I found the true translation, by the way, and then I uh, looked at the contemporary vineyards of the day, I couldn't get it to work. Because here's what the original language says. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts it up. And the understanding is that when the vines would grow, some of them would grow very, when the the branches would grow in the vines, some of them would grow very low to the ground. And rain would come, dust would come, and they'd get mucked up. And the more they did, they would be pushed down to the ground and it would get worse and worse. Now, the problem with that is every vineyard picture that I saw of contemporary vineyards was there was no low-lying branches. They were all up high. They trimmed them up. But to find out that in ancient days, they didn't do that. They let them grow close to the ground. And that's how that would happen. So here's the deal. As the vine dresser, remember hands and face, would come along in his vineyard, and he would see the branches that had been pressed down or pushed down, and they're covered up with muck. 
he would very gently and very carefully wash them and clean them and pull them up to the trellis so they could grow. Now, see, that to me fits the heart of God. So, as we think about this and what God is doing, this is the, 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 the discipline of God in a person's life. This is the discipline. How many of you get down and get mucked up? How many of you have sin in your life? And then you start beating yourself up because you think, oh, God's not going to love me. Not, God's not going to like me. Or, or We may have the biblical understanding God loves me. He just really doesn't like me. I mean, look how he's treating me. When all the time, this vine dresser with loving, loving care is bending down, cleaning and pulling them up. And that is exactly what Father God, our vine dresser, is doing for us. Secondly, it says, and the, the one that bears fruit, he prunes it. So it's kind of like this. Let me space it out. So over here, you have the one that's pressed down and not producing, and he lifts it up and cleans it and gives it the opportunity to produce, right? The next one is the one that's being pruned, and that's where there's some fruit, but there's not a lot of fruit. And so what does he do? He prunes it so it can bear more fruit. Do you get that? (laughs) When you're by the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit and fruit is being produced to your life or you're producing fruit. He loves you so much that he knows exactly where to cut because he knows that for you to produce much fruit, they keep wanting to tear up on me, much fruit, you got to have the pruning. And I'm going to be honest with you. There's a lot of folks in this world that don't want that. We're talking about Christians now. Remember, we're in Christ. So we're over here. And the vine dresser with care and loving hands cleans and raises up. He lifts up. Over here, he's not looking down saying, you know, you I'm I'm a little disgusted with you, Vine. You're just not producing like you need to. But no, again, with loving hands, and I believe with a caring look on his face, he takes this one and he starts trimming it, pruning it, so it can produce more fruit. Now, as we move through the Scripture, it says, You are now clean because of the words which I have spoken to you. So he's back over here now. How do we get clean? How do we as children of God get clean? The Holy Spirit of God applies the Word of God to our lives, and we confess and repent, and our lives are cleaned up. Abide in me, and I abide in you, and a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. So now we move from getting pruned, being lifted up, getting pruned, and now we're over here where he has wanted us all the time this has been his heart the song we just sang his presence his presence 
his presence. It does not say my doing, my doing, my striving, my working. It's his presence that makes the difference. Because I am abiding in the vine, and abiding in the vine means that the nutrients and all that's needed in my life and through my life for me to have this incredible, my grapes are falling apart, this incredible harvest of grapes, this harvest of souls, this harvest of good works, this harvest of the fruit of the Spirit is only accomplished as I abide in him. Now think about that. How does this work? We're given the admonition through the scripture to spend time in the word of God. In fact, he says you're clean through the word. We're also given the admonition to pray, to have communication with him. And all of that is God working in us allowing us to grow and mature in him and learn to abide in him so that we get to that place of knowing without him, I cannot do anything that has real value. Can I do some good stuff? Of course I can do good stuff. We have people doing good stuff all around the world who don't even know God. But for those of us who are children of God, the way this is going to happen in our lives as the Holy Spirit brings us through this process and Father God works in our lives, we're going to see the fact that this brings us to that place where we understand and we know without a shadow of a doubt, I'm going to abide in Him. What does it mean to abide in Him? Spend time with Him. Make sure that I am making time for Him in my life every day. I am the vine, you're the branches. He's not putting us down. He's just saying, I'm your source. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now think about that. With all of our effort, all of our striving, All we're trying to work so hard to do something for God. And God says, what I've been trying to get you to is that place where you know it's me. And then you look at the face of the vine dresser who is in delight that we have learned that it's his presence that makes the difference. Now, As human beings, we have a little problem with this. Our problem is, somehow, we have come to this place of understanding, and maybe not everybody, but some of us have, that God does not have the right to do anything in my life that he doesn't first explain to me what he is doing and why he is doing it. That one should have gotten an amen. Just saying. But guess what God doesn't always bother to do? Give us the reason or the purpose behind what he's doing. Now, if we understand what we're talking about here this morning, and we know that the ultimate purpose is the production of fruit, of being able to share the reality of Christ with others and see them coming to the kingdom of God and also bearing the fruit of good works. It's just doing the normal stuff that we do as we do life. 
And then bearing the fruit of the Spirit that's listed for us in Galatians uh, chapter 5 of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And that is just the flow of our life. When Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit and John, earlier in John, he says, and when he comes, there will be like rivers of living water, rivers of living water flowing through your life. Because let me, let me tell you this very carefully. If you are all dried up like a prune or maybe a raisin, I guess that'd be a better way of saying it. And you're trying to tell somebody else about the reality of God and how wonderful he is. And they look at your life and thinking, really? That's what you're offering me? Are you kidding me? I can get that on a Saturday night at a bar or more. But it's when the fullness of God is manifest in our lives because we understand he bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away and is a branch. See, this is where we get into trouble in trying to put the scripture together in the first verse. In this verse, it says, if he is not in me, it's like someone who's pretending to be something, but they're really not. And so they cannot produce any legitimate fruit, no matter how hard they try. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dried up, and they gather them and cast them to the fire, and they're burned up. Now, what's he talking about here? He's talking about the fact that if a person lives in this life and dies without knowing Jesus Christ, they will spend an absolute eternity in hell. Now, I'm going to tell you what, for those of us as Christians, we better pay attention to that because some of those are our family members, our friends, our neighbors, and our coworkers. And who else is going to care for them except God caring for them through us? Because guess what? They're not here today. They're not hearing this today. They're doing whatever it is that they're wanting to do today. It is our responsibility, also our privilege, to be those that God uses as we abide in him for that <laughs> juice, if you want to call it that, to flow through us and touch their lives, rivers of living water that makes all the difference. But notice this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and I, it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and you prove in other words, we, we have a capacity, an ability to prove that we belong to him. How does that happen? <laughs> as we're lifted up and cleaned up, as we move to this place where we have some fruit. And by the way, when we have some fruit, sometimes the, the grape snatcher comes along because he hates us. And he'll snatch some of our fruit and we'll think, well, what is, is it worth it after all? And the answer is, of course. In fact, sometimes when the grape snatcher is snatching fruit from us, we confuse that with the pruning of God, and we don't know the difference between good and evil. It says in Hebrews, a mark of maturity is when you know the difference between good and evil. And I have had times in my personal life when I've been going through something, and I would have to say to God, God, you have got to show me because I'm at that place right now where I can't tell what's good and what's evil. And he would. And he would. 
Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Here's where the rub comes. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. There is no abiding without obedience. Now remember, what we're able to do is done by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. So it's not like in human flesh, we got to make this thing work. No, God has already supernaturally endowed us with the Holy Spirit as he did Jesus Christ so we can carry out his will and purpose so that at the end of it, there is fruit, much fruit, and he gets the glory and he gets the praise and he gets the honor. Now think about that. God created the world. We mucked it up as human beings. God redeemed the world by the giving of his son. And now he is offering to us today this incredible promise. If you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments And I abide in his love. Paul writes in Philippians that Jesus learned his obedience through suffering. So back to us somehow thinking or believing that God is obligated. God, God himself is obligated to tell me exactly what he's up to, exactly what he's doing, and exactly why he's doing it. And I got news for you. (laughs) He's not. And we're a whole lot better off. When we practice his presence, we practice his presence without demanding or requiring him to tell us exactly what it is that he is doing. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy be made full. So all of this he's saying as I lift you up, clean you up. As I bring you here to fruit, and then I prune you so there is much fruit, and then later on the scripture says, fruit that remains, you have my joy. So ask yourself the question, look in the spiritual mirror, am I demonstrating the joy of God? Now, we've had this conversation on previous uh, events and previous times that I've spoken, and I realize my countenance does not always express the joy that's in my heart. And so, Sheila, very lovingly, as my wife says, you need to tell your face because it doesn't always get up there. Brian and I have this joke because we both have the same uh, name, which is Leonard. And, uh, and so when he and I are, are that way, because he has the same thing from his wife, pretty much, um, it's it's just the Leonard coming out, you know. Steve is okay, but Leonard, he can be a little, you know. So I'm not saying I'm split personality or DID or anything like that. I'm just saying I have to be careful of this because I don't always express what's really in my heart because this is true for me. I love this. This is my commandment. Now look at this. See, it won't stop with me. It won't stop with you. This is my commandment. This is, this is not, oh, well, if you feel like it, that you love one another. He says, oh, no, you do it as I've loved you. What's, what's the measure? What's the standard of how we are to love each other in Christ as he did? As he demonstrated his love for the Father, as he would abide in the Father. 
God's goal for you, for me, is abundance. In fact, that is our birthright. Abundance in sharing the reality of Christ with others and people coming to the kingdom of God, of doing good works. And again, it's 10,000 little things. If you're sitting around saying, oh, I can't wait. I can do that one big thing for God. You more than likely will never have that opportunity because it doesn't come that way. It comes because we have spent time after time after time after time just obeying the Father, not quizzing Him about, okay, God, what are you up to this time? And I've asked Him that question, so I'm not throwing stones at anybody. But God, I want, I just want to abide in You. Now understand, if you're willing to pray that, and I'm going to ask you to pray that before we leave today, remember that that will require Him, remember that vine dresser? Lifting you up, cleaning you off, pruning you so that there can be the production in my life and yours that Father God designed from the very beginning. Sheila was giving me a quote, I think yesterday or day before, about a guy who said, other Hmm, I had it wrong. We were first born. How, how many of you here, your family celebrated when you were born? Maybe that shouldn't be a show of hands. Um, <clears throat> maybe as you got older, you celebrated you were born. But then when you came to know Christ, the celebration there. That's why, you know, when we baptize people and they get to show the picture of what's got, what God has done in their life, we hoop and holler. You know, we're just rude about it because we want to celebrate. This is incredible. But the next thing in your life that we celebrate is knowing and understanding why do I exist as a child of God on planet earth? Because we can cover a multitude of vocations and only a small percentage of those would be pastors or missionaries or people who we would consider full-time Christian service. That's not the bulk of humanity who know Christ. But in whatever vocation that we're in, to know that God's ultimate goal is that in and through my life, he is bearing this incredible, amazing amount of fruit of people hearing the gospel, seeing the gospel revealed in my life, the kingdom of God being advanced through the good deeds and the kindness and all that's expressed in and through me. And all of that is for his glory, for his honor, and for his praise. Is that not amazing? So here's my question. Number one. So I guess I have two questions. (laughs) Number one. Are you abiding in him? Because here's what happens. When you get to that place of abiding, remember I talked about us as Westerners, how we're all geared and trained to just do, 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 do. You know, we got to do something. And this is so counterintuitive for us. When we get to that place of abiding, what God is doing through our lives is so supernatural. It's almost like, I didn't really do anything, God, and yet look what's, what you're doing in my life. 
And we see it over and over. I've seen it over and over in my life. I would love to tell you it's all the time like that, but it's not. I want that, and I, and I consider, con, I continue to seek that. But that's my heart, to abide in him so he can produce fruit, much fruit, and fruit that remains in my life and through my life. So the first question is, are you abiding? And the second one is, if you are not, do you want it? Because I can promise you this, there will be some pain along the way to get to abiding because there will always be, if there's sin anywhere, the lifting up, the cleaning off, the rubbing, the friction, the pruning, the cutting back, because he knows, ex- he knows exactly where we need to be trimmed up. Because the whole thing, if you look at the vineyard, the sun has to get in at the proper amount, or there is no production as it needs to be. And Sheila and I were talking about this, and she goes, well, think about it. You know, the sun has to get in <laughs> for us to really produce what Father God desired us to do. So are you willing to say to Father God today, God, I want your purpose. I want to move through this process and I want to abide in you so that you're producing through me so supernaturally. Go back and read Matthew, Bart, Luke, and John, the ministry of Christ when he was on the earth. Do you ever see him straining? You ever see him getting frustrated or upset? Well, he did get upset because what happened? People were interfering with other people's worship. So that's why he turned the tables over and made the whip and drove the guys out. They were interfering with people worshiping. He's not going to put up with that. Just so you know. So let's fast forward to the last chapter of the book of John. And the disciples now have experienced the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. But it's still not panning out exactly how they had hoped it would be. They had not been elevated to some great political position. They had not seen some military might from heaven come in and and destroy the Romans. And so here they are. And Peter says, I'm going to go fishing. Now, remember the first time that Jesus encountered Peter? What did Peter do for a living? Fishing. Jesus said, I'm going to make you a what? Fisher of men. Okay. So now Peter having experienced the ministry of Christ, the death of Christ, the burial of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. And he just says, I'm going to go back fishing. And he takes some of the guys with him. And they fish all night. These guys are not amateurs. This is how they made their living. And they're fishing all night and they catch zero. Early in the morning, there's a figure on the beach and says, Hey, fellas, how's it going? We've fished all night, and we have nothing. And the person on the beach says, cast your net on the other side of the boat. Now, you guys know I'm not a sportsman. I'm not a fisherman. But I'm thinking, if they ain't on this side of the boat, they ain't on that side of the boat. (laughs) And that would be me who knows nothing about it. But these guys know what they're doing. But seemingly, for what reason we don't know, they did exactly what they were told to do by the figures standing on the beach, and they cast their net on the other side, and when they went to pull it in, 
It was so full, they couldn't hardly get it in. It's the Lord. The revelation is the Lord. (laughs) Peter, Peter dropped his part of the net. Jumped in the water. I don't know if he did a swan dive or a belly flopper. I don't know. He jumped in the water and swam to the beach. And he gets out all dripping wet. Maybe a little exhausted. I'm not sure how he had to swim, how long he had to swim or how far he had to swim. Maybe a little exhausted. And the revelation of the purpose of his life. I'm going to make you fisher of men. Don't you want that in your life? I'm one of those guys that's blessed. I know. I know exactly why I was created and I know why I was saved. I, I know because I'm privileged to do it. And you guys are honoring me by paying me to do it. It's to serve in the kingdom as a pastor of one of his churches. Now, everybody, that's not what God has for everybody. Now, he might. I don't know what he said to you. But I do know this. He has in his heart as that vine dresser with his tan and his hands that have calluses. His heart is that this what is what happens in your life as you abide in him. So let me ask again. Are you willing today to say, Father, I want to abide. I want to abide in you. I'm willing to go through whatever it takes. <laughs> That's not a light thing, okay? Just I'm warning you. I'm willing to go through whatever it takes because I want so much to abide so that through my life there is that flow from you through me to others that there is fruit, much fruit, and fruit that remains because that's when you get the glory. So would you stand, please? I'm going to lead in a prayer. I'm going to ask you not to pray the prayer unless you're serious about this because it would be wrong for you to do so. And I would not want to lead you down that road. But just understand, I'm going to offer this prayer of commitment for my life and for us, for those of us who are willing. Father, in this moment, in your time in history, on this incredible, beautiful day that you've designed and created, I choose today to offer my life to you as a living sacrifice. And whatever there has to be done for discipline to lift me up and clean me off, and clean me out. I want to thank you for in advance for doing that. And whatever needs to happen as you prune my life and trim up those things about me that need to be shaped up and, and cut back, that God, you will do that. Because it is my ultimate heart prayer today that I abide in you. That I abide in you and I will obey you without question. Because I choose you. Because you've chosen me. And I want the purpose for which you have created me and saved me to be fulfilled in my life 
all the days of my life going forward. I don't know what that is. I may have some glimpses. I may have some visions. I may have some revelation. I may have some understanding or I may have nothing. But I know you, Father. And I'm going to walk in faith and believe that you're working in my life. I'm going to keep my eyes on you because I so, so desire, my heart desire, my choice of will today is to abide in you. And your presence is what I will celebrate. And the fruit that you will bear through my life will bring glory to you. Those who hear the good news, those who see the good news in me, the good deeds that I can do along the way of just being kind and helpful and encouraging and ministering to others. And then just the bearing of your fruit, Holy Spirit, in that whole process. Holy Spirit, bring your fresh anointing today in every heart that is willing to receive your fullness. In Jesus' name, amen.